Welcome to Revealing the Diamond. This is a very uh, special aspect or episode uh, because we are now moving into the realm of offering some premium content. And so if you're a longtime listener and you find yourself here in the premium content section, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to put extra episodes up on here and for, you know, the cost of a cup of coffee per month, uh, you can get a little extra content to support you on your journey. Um, I appreciate everybody who has become a member of the Tatva's Yoga Studies program. Thank you so much for that. And everyone who's been coming out to the workshops and just putting in the work to help um, expand and grow this, uh, this work. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, this is an audio uh, version of a video that I made not too long ago, and it was in response to a question. And the question is, do I have to be flexible to do yoga? Um, I think this is a really great episode. I think you're going to love it. It's just about 20 minutes to listen into. Um, If you have anything that you would love to hear covered in these premium content episodes, please do reach out and let me know. Uh, I'm down for doing whatever. Um, And yeah, that's it. So thanks for being a member and uh, share this with your friends and we'll see you soon. Bless. I wanted to take a moment uh, today and answer a question, and it's a common question uh, that comes up. And the question is, can I do yoga if I'm not flexible? And and it comes in many forms. It, it could be like not so much a question and more a statement. I can't practice yoga because I'm not flexible. It also comes in another form, which is um, I'm not able to meditate because my mind is too busy. And these are all statements out of, um, well, first of all, they're egoic statements, not uh, arrogant statements, but a feeling like you don't deserve the benefits of yoga and meditation, um, which is unfortunate that we've been conditioned to think that in order to receive the benefits of a spiritual practice, you have to be good at it, quote unquote, good at it, uh, from the outside. And, and then I guess the other part is that there's a misconception about what yoga is, and, and you could directly relate that to meditation as well. And so I wanted to make a short statement uh, through the Tatva's Yoga Studies YouTube channel, which you're watching now, and um, just re- respond to that and uh, shine a light of hope uh, into the lives of practitioners, whether your body is very flexible or whether you're very stiff, whether you're practicing regularly the physical practices or whether you know you you haven't even started. Um, and and the best way to do that is to answer the question, "What is yoga?" That's how we'll speak to the misconception. And what is yoga, if we go right to the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, so, you know, if you're, let's say you're new to the world of yoga and you've never heard of these Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, essentially they're ancient wisdom teachings about yoga. And there are many ancient wisdom teachings about yoga. Um, and, and the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali are very... Um, 
they can be very simple and profound. They can be very simple and profound. I mean, you can make them complex just like anything, but essentially they can be very simple and profound. And in the text, uh, Patanjali talks about yoga and in, in two ways. I want to address two ways, and there are many other ways, but for today I'm going to pick two sutras, and we're going to explore those and hopefully um, share some light into the into these sort of um, egoic statements and these confused these confused statements about yoga. So the first one is uh, right away early in on in the Yoga Sutras he says yoga chitta vritti nirodha, and many people think about that in terms of like yoga is stopping the mind and. Unfortunately, if you go about trying to stop the mind, uh, you're going to end up disappointed and frustrated and, and possibly contribute to the notion that you can't meditate because your mind is too busy. Um, your mind is not going to stop thinking. You know, your, your brain can think, and that's a great gift. Your intelligence is a great gift. Uh, your capacity to think is a great gift. The challenge around thinking is when you identify with your thoughts as being the soul or only or uh, from a place of hierarchy, supreme, like better uh, than everything else in reality. My thoughts dictate, uh, you know, I, I, like self-centered sort of a way of being. Like my thoughts are the most uh, real of anything that's real and they are superior to any other uh, aspect of reality, including the thoughts of others, and you fall into a way of thinking where you believe everything that you think. And I was asking a group of uh, students in a workshop yesterday, you know, put your hand up if 100% of the time your thoughts are in support of your dharma, of your, uh, your calling in this life. And, of course, nobody put up their hand. And, and then, you know, we kind of move through the numbers and we kind of realize that like, I don't know, 20 to 30% of the time, maybe. And then those people who had a more, a more consistent spiritual practice, maybe a little bit more, but maybe not, you know? And so when you, when you look on Instagram or social media or these kind of places and they, you see these, you know, memes that say, don't believe everything you think. Uh, there's a lot of truth to that because our thinking mind is a part of nature and it's influenced by our karmas or our conditions. And it, these ideas or notions are stored in the subconscious mind. And then we see the world through this uh, lens that is karmically influenced or uh, karmically um, inspired or karmically, you know, it, it's through the lens of our conditions. And if we see the world through our conditions, that is a limited perspective. It's relevant. It's relatively relevant um, because we have to live in these conditions, and yet it's not supremely real, if that makes sense. So when Patanjali says yoga chitta vritinirodaha, he's not saying stopping the mind from thinking because the mind thinks just like your bladder has a job and your kidneys have a job and your elbows have a job and your toenails have a job. They're all part of nature, as is your capacity to think. 
Um, so let's get rid of the notion that that should stop. And instead, think about yoga is the process of ceasing to identify with your thinking mind or thoughts, and they're connected, as supremely or ultimately real. Okay, so there's no hierarchy. You're, you're, you have thoughts. That's true. Um, but your thoughts are not everything. They are not ultimately real. They're only relatively real. And they're influenced by your conditions. And becoming aware of this, you place less emphasis on your thoughts as being real. And you widen the lens of your perception and uh, recognize that everybody is thinking thoughts and that um, you know your body is made of earth and uh, as is the soil and these are connected and they need each other to exist and you continue to widen the lens. Your body is made primarily of water. Clean water is very important, um, p- potentially even more important than most of your thoughts, probably all, but I mean, you know, some, maybe not all of them. You know, it's no absolutism. Um, you know, the fire, uh, you need digestion to live, breath, um, just continuing to widen the lens and then recognizing that other people have thoughts and your thoughts are going to be a little bit different and can you meet in a place of listening and compassion. And all of this is inspired by your um, practice uh, of being able to no longer identify with your own individual thoughts as the supreme reality. Now, do you need to be flexible for that? No. However, you do have a body, and your body is going to age. It's aging right now as we speak. And if you keep the body in good condition, keep it clean, eat uh, healthy foods, uh, get plenty of sleep, um, maybe you do some exercises like yoga asanas or whatever you do. It could be running or swimming or you know, according to your conditions or your karmas, uh, if you keep the body in good condition, chances are you will uh, have a greater capacity to not identify with your thinking as the ultimate reality. So you do not have to be flexible, and you don't even have to love yoga asana. I happen to love the yogic exercises of hatha yoga, um, and I love practicing, practicing them in uh, unison or uh, together with uh, an Ayurvedic study and practice. And it brings a lot of health to my body, especially especially as I age and I feel a little more pain than maybe I did in my 30s and in my 20s. And I also have a teacher who's 83 years old and I see how healthy he is. And I think, oh, that's a possibility by doing this work. So I continue to do it. but I also recognize that there may come a time when, when I don't have any flexibility or maybe I can't use my legs or, I mean, who knows what's coming down the hatch. But essentially, the work of the yoga practice is to release the need to cling to thoughts as the supreme reality. And that's a lifelong process. And then the other part I want to touch on is this other sutra that says... Um, Tapas, Swadhyaya, Ishvara, Pranidhana, Kriya Yoga. And so now it's going to tell us how to practice yoga. And how to practice yoga is tapas, it's going to require some heat and some effort to do this. Okay? 
So in order to no longer identify with the thinking mind as the supreme reality, it's going to require some effort. And that effort can be, uh, show up in many forms. If you're doing asanas, it's going to require the determination to show up and practice. Uh, if you're practicing uh, seated meditation and doing concentration techniques or dharana, it's going to require you to sit straight, plan a time, cultivate it over time, because a lot of the time you're going to be sitting there and feel distracted, which is why people say, I can't meditate, my mind is too busy. Well, essentially, they're saying I can't concentrate because my mind is too busy. And if you're not able to do something, practice doing it and it will get easier. So do some concentration techniques like some Buddhist meditation where you focus on the breath in the nostrils or you could recite a mantra or you could even singing. Like if you're from, a, a, you know, a Christian tradition, you could sing gospel songs and it would increase your capacity to concentrate and bring it uh, together with a devotional practice. This is beneficial. But to do these things is going to require some uh, effort, and that is tapas. It's going to require some heat to get the engine going and keep it going, sustainable over a long time. And then swadhyaya, the next word is tapas swadhyaya, means study. So whatever it is that is supporting you as a practice to release identification with the thinking mind as your true identity and expanding the mind to see the interconnectedness of all of life or the final goal of yoga, which is sameness, samadhi, see uh, the creator in all or see that everything is made of similar material and we are, exist in um, interdependent reality. We need each other. We need the animals, the birds, the uh, earth, the soil, the water, like the breath, uh, the sunlight, the moon. The, all of these uh, are necessary for the life uh, that we experience here on earth and acknowledging that and practicing that. So whatever it is that is keeping you on that path of experiencing yoga, um, it's going to require some study, learning, always be learning, you know, being, letting go of what you think you know and opening yourself up to the possibilities. There's infinite possibilities in this realm. And then after study, swadhyaya, so we have discipline or heat, and then we have study, apply yourself, learn, and then Ishvara Pranidhana is devotion. You know, whether that's a devotion to a devata, like you could have some image of uh, God that resonates for you, like Krishna or Buddha or uh, the Divine Mother or Mary or uh, Jesus or uh, you know Ganesha or uh, you know any. It it's really according to your conditions, but something that. Like in recovery, they talk about a higher power, something that allows you to re release your identification with your thinking mind as the supreme reality and bow your head and give it to God. Now, if God or a devata doesn't resonate for you, that's all right. You can still practice devotion. It's the practice of love. Recognizing that the other person is you is a form of devotion. Like how, does this per how would I want to be treated? And then showing up for that. Engaging in a practice of forgiveness is a devotional practice. It's anything that sort of steps out of that logical way of thinking. Of it's like, I deserve this. Don't you know who I am? I deserve the best uh, survival type mentality and expanding the heart space to be like, you know, 
I would really be treated like to be treated with love and respect. And so in doing so, I'm going to make a conscious effort to do that for others. And when I don't do it, I'm going to ask for forgiveness. And that is in of itself a devotional practice because it's the path of love. So we've got discipline practice, we've got study, and we've got a commitment to the path of love or devotion, surrender to God, receptivity, whatever language resonates for you. And then Kriya, the next one, Kriya is like to put this all into action and to purify, you know, these blockages that keep us clinging to this ego mind that says, you know, I'm this, you're that, and any any form of othering. Now remember the ego is a part of that thinking mind that's always uh, relating to the pairs of opposites and that there's a positive aspect to that and a negative. The positive aspect is uh, identification and diversification. Like the ancestors, um, whether they're your blood ancestors from your closest family line or the ancestors, all of humanity in general, because of diversification and identification, you're able to recognize like this uh, plant is poisonous and this one isn't. This one is food and this one will kill you. Um, and that is the capacity of the ahamkara. Or this person is not safe for me and this person is safe for me. You know, Not recklessly engaging in, in uh, areas that are dangerous. So you know, those are beneficial aspects of the ahamkara or the ego mind. But then, of course, there's the other aspect of the ego mind where we identify only with the ego mind in the pairs of opposites and we go towards pleasure and we avoid pain and that can lead to addiction and all kinds of other issues. Right, So that's sort of the ego mind aspect. And what we're saying with the Kriya is if you put the effort into no longer identifying with the thinking mind as the supreme reality, uh, you put the effort into studying those who understand this, like the great sages in many traditions, or you know, stay stay with yoga as this is a yoga video, whatever works for you, and some kind of path of love, devotional practice. If you put all of that into action, you know, you you can uh, clear the blockages that keep you identifying with the thinking mind as the supreme reality. The ego is very convincing, right? And Maya, these, this illusion of separateness, separateness from the whole, is very convincing. And so we engage in the practice. Do you need to be flexible for that or know how to meditate? Have a mind that's not busy? It's not true. You know, if you want to, uh, you know, stand on your hands, you may need to open the hamstrings for that to work. I mean, these are just basic. Uh, rules of nature, laws of nature. And then the last word is yoga. So it's like for this to work, you have the discipline, you have the study, you have the devotion, you put it into action, and you will experience yoga. Well, there you have it, my uh, beautiful Tattvas Yoga Studies family. Hope you enjoyed this talk, and there'll be lots more to come. Um, I really appreciate you supporting me and my work by being a member of this uh, uh, premium Revealing the Diamond content. Uh, if you can get involved with the program, take the one-on-one -on -one sessions or uh, show up for in-person sessions. Uh, that really means a lot to me to get this work out. Thank you, as always, for your support, and we will see you on the next episode. Bless. Thank you.